health naturally for our sponsor, Dennis Stewart's New Lambton Herbal Medicine Centre. And uh, Dennis Stewart, we are talking about Chaste Tree. Now, you've got to, got to explain the name, haven't you? <laughs> Have indeed, Joan. <laughs> In fact, that is its common name, Chaste Tree. Uh, botanically, it's known as Vitex Agnus Castus. And I was encouraged to take up this topic today because uh, I have a beautiful chaste tree growing in uh, our front yard in the Hunter and it's in full blossom at present. Um, It's an interesting tree in as much that its berries, which develop obviously after the flowering component has has gone, the berries contain significant medicinal properties and uh, have been used a lot to address what we might refer to as hormonal conditions Interestingly, the name chaste tree came from the fact that it was used, particularly in the Middle Ages, to lessen some of the uh, amorous activities of uh, religious uh, people. And interestingly, there is a bit of a basis for this because uh, the chaste tree, if used in very large amounts, has what's called an anaphrodisiac Effect, in other words, it does have a subduing effect on on people's amorous inclinations. But used more seriously medically, it's one of the most significant medicinal herbs to address conditions in in women, particularly that are referred to as being associated with perhaps hormonal imbalance. And I had the uh, the pleasure many many years ago in the late seventies or early eighties of giving some of the first lectures on Vitex. Uh, they were given to my students at Glebe, and um, also importing the herb uh, from overseas and doing some trials on the herb in addressing women's problems at uh, the Leichhardt Women's Health Centre, where some of my uh, undergraduate students were working at that time. And we found that it had remarkable benefits in things like, for instance, uh, some of the uh, trauma that many women experience in what's called the premenstrual phase, it is probably, in, in all my years of working with herbs, I would say it is the most significant remedy that I have ever used to address that genuine problem, uh, which sometimes is glibly uh, talked about, but which to many women is quite distressing. Mm. That, that period of depression, uh, mood swings, fluid retention, uh, cravings for sweets, weight gain, all this which seems to occur in some women from ovulation through to menstruation. And it is in this area that Vitex made its primary reputation that used to address that particular set of symptoms, it is well documented as being one of the primary remedies, safe remedies, to lessen the trauma of that period. And it does this, we suspect, and I'll be popular in what I say or very simple in what I say, we suspect that it has a balancing effect on mild disturbances between the estrogen-progesterone relationship. And in herbal medicine, uh, Vitex is considered to be a herb that balances in favour of the progesterone hormone. And this makes it very popular also in other female health conditions that uh, are dominated by estrogen. And I'm talking a little bit non-medically here, but one of the other areas where I proved it very, very successful, particularly in the context of infertility, was that where women had what you might refer to as defiant endometriosis, uh, where the endometrial tissue had invaded other parts of her reproductive system and was compromising fertility particularly, uh, Vitex proved itself very early in my clinical practice in Newcastle when I was at Church Street as being a remarkable remedy in reversing 
uh, uncontrollable endometriosis that had defied all the medical approaches. And I can think at this moment of one dramatic case that uh, was acknowledged as being dramatic by a well-known obstetrician and gynaecologist in the town at this time um, who acceded uh, to this patient using uh, medication of mine containing Vitex. And in this particular case, the patient who was unable to conceive for years due to this problem that was being well managed medically, going on to Vitex, was able to conceive and went on to have two children. And the whole story started from that in as much that that formula uh, was spread all around the world to compatriots of theirs. Vitex was the leading remedy. Uh, So in the area of infertility, where we suspect uh, that endometriosis is, is is a complicating factor, it's a herb that's worthwhile trying. So premenstrual tension, endometriosis, and one of the dramatic areas, dramatic areas, uh, that it is used in, and I'd be one of the few to have uh, used it in this area, is in what's called postnatal depression. Um, just as an interesting thing here, one of the writers that, well, two writers that influenced me greatly in, in studying Vitex and, and using it, because when I first started practice, it was not known. Our system of herbalism was very much based on traditional English-American herbs. But uh, there was an English uh, doctor, Dr. Katerina Dalton, who wrote a book entitled Once a Month. That book, I believe, should be read by every woman because what it does is give an insight into the way in which hormones and hormonal disturbances can have severe ramifications uh, in a woman. And it was Katerina Dalton and her use of uh, progesterone therapy that um, was able to point me in the direction of saying, well, okay, if she can use progesterone, why not use the herb Vitex agnus castus, which has progestogenic properties, uh, in an attempt to treat some of these conditions? And I was supported by an English herbalist, very well-known elderly man in England, uh, Captain Geoffrey Whitehouse. Captain Geoffrey Whitehouse. And if you saw a photograph of him, you'd say a typical pucker Englishman. Um, I've said all along, Jay, and herbalists are very eccentric people, but they're unique personalities. And this chap was a leading member of the National Institute of Medical Herbalists, uh, and he was able to train many men and women in England in his brilliant knowledge of herbs. And he wrote a book, Every Woman's Guide to Nature Care, or Nature Cure. And I was able to get a copy of that book. And in that book, he extolled the virtues of Vitex Agnus Castus and indicated it for the same indications as Dr. Katerina Dalton. So those two books, one written by a medical professional, Dr. Katerina Dalton, and a White House, introduced me to Vitex, to get, but to get back to this point of postnatal depression, uh, Dalton went on to write, write another book entitled uh, Depression After Childbirth, where again she argued that it frequently this hormonal factor was being overlooked and that frequently the, the psychiatric pr- procedure for treating it uh, was missing the point. And I had a case in Newcastle uh, where a lady who was uh, very distressed with postnatal depression uh, and was seeing, seeing a psychiatrist uh, who was a Freudian psychiatrist, uh, she was a Christian lady and was very uh, uncertain about some of the Freudian interpretations of a problem, I, I gave... Uh, her some Vitex Agnes Castus, and she snapped out of the postnatal depression like you wouldn't believe and uh, went back to her psychiatrist, who was a good man, I'm not criticising him, but asked him to read the book because 
hopefully it would have pointed out that even in that condition there were approaches to it that even a herb might be useful for when you're looking at it from this hormonal factor. So Vitex has been a remedy that uh, has intrigued me all of my professional life. I pride myself on the fact that I discovered it, brought it into Australia, gave the first lectures on it, did the first clinical trials on it at Leichhardt, and it's been the backbone of my treatment for very many years. The thing about Vitex is if it's not used judiciously and with knowledge, it can be a problem uh, because if, if, if it's used in overdose, it can actually interfere with ovulation. So some of the over-the-counter preparations I question a bit because um, it's not a herb, in my opinion, that should be loosely used. It should be used with an understanding of its ramifications hormonally. But a great remedy, a God-given remedy for many uh, women conditions. And again, the Germans, and uh, Dr. Rudolf Weiss, for instance, in his magnificent work that I've lectured from for so many years, in his text, Vitex has given a lovely rendition of its properties. Uh, uh, Weiss, for instance, taught me that a lot of conditions that assert themselves premenstrually, you'll find a lot of ladies will break out in acne. Uh, Vice talks about the benefits of Vitex when used to address the hormonal factors behind that condition. Uh, so I could talk all hours about Vitex, but we won't. <laughs> we, instead of that, we'll talk about your questions. If you've got a question you'd like to put to Dennis, Chaste Tree, and um, just right at this moment... Uh, Yes, okay, we'll, we'll have your questions in just a moment, but there's a couple more things. You introduced the herb, Dennis, you say, to Australia. But, yeah, it's it's an in interesting um, topic. As I said, I could talk all day, but there are calls coming through. But just briefly, um, when, we went, uh, or when we started importing the herb, um, it wasn't long after that that the government, for some reason, decided that because it wasn't on an approved list, that we could no longer import it. Mm -hmm. uh, and this had a distressing effect on everyone. So I had at that stage just purchased my property in the Hunter Valley. So I was able to source oh, hundreds of Vitex Agnes Castus trees in Sydney, which myself and my students and my children diligently planted out on my property in the Hunter. And the, everything was going swimmingly, and we believed that we had broken the back of the failure to supply. And um, the, everything was going well, and we'd spent a fair amount of money investing in putting the herb in the ground and was clapping our hands, only to find about six months later the government reversed its decision and all of our expensive farming work at Rothbury went to nothing because we could bring the herb in from, from Eastern Europe for virtually a pittance. So, but interestingly now, Jane, interestingly... I have, I said earlier in the program, I have one of my students who uh, recently took out a PhD from this university. He's now uh, living on my property at Rothbury, uh, a great man, a, a great herbalist and a great botanist. And uh, between Andrew and myself, we are now again planting Vitex in the Hunter. So uh, mm. the, the, the wheel turns the full circle. We like things locally grown too, don't we, <laughs> we sometimes? Do, we do. Well, 49216216 for your calls. Peter has rung in from Fassifern, and you're wondering if herbs might be able to help with glaucoma, Peter. Oh, yes. Uh, good morning. Uh, Dennis, uh, I've had glaucoma possibly for 20 years. Yes. And um, I've had the numerous uh, eye drops day and night yes. and so forth. And 
I'm going to have some cataract surgery early next year. Yes. And the, uh, there's a gentleman, a specialist in Newcastle, who uh, is bringing in this new drainage, I think it's called, yes. like a stent they put into the lower yes. eyelid. So, yes. But I'm wondering, uh, I got onto the Dr. Google effort and uh, read a thousand pages on this, but uh, I, I thought you could be the man who could give me some advice on something reasonably simple. In a, in a herb that may be available? Look, um, there's nothing specific for this. In fact, the medical management for glaucoma, as you appreciate, is very sophisticated, very successful, and has saved people's sight. Um, what I have noticed, however, is that there are a number of substances which can keep intraocular pressures more stable. And you would appreciate that it's the intraocular pressure that is one of the distressing factors behind this condition uh, mm -hmm. and which is medically managed to try to keep it under control. I have um, two patients that have been using um, this approach to help uh, their glaucoma IOPs with their, with their ophthalmologist's knowledge. And essentially what they're doing, it's a, quite a straightforward treatment, which doesn't in any way, in any way complicate, interfere with anything that's being done medically for them, but they are using, to start with, uh, bilberry as a tablet preparation, and they have been using it, I would estimate, for 10 to 15 years. And they've right. also, they have also been using what might be referred to as a broad-spectrum combination of bioflavonoids. Now, from the, from the time that they started using that approach, there was an acknowledged stabilisation in their case, brother and sister case, a stabilisation in their intraocular pressures. And as far as I'm aware, that stability has remained under the monitoring of their very good uh, ophthalmologist. So for what it's worth, uh, it might be worthwhile discussing with your ophthalmologist um, the potential usage of bilberry ongoingly. You're not going to get any, be any benefit out of bilberry overnight. It's something that has to be worked at, keeping in mind that bilberry has a sophisticated bioflavonoidal substance, which is known as an anthocyanidin. And whilst most people or many people know that bilberry is useful uh, as a general remedy for many ocular conditions, not many are aware of the fact that it may, and I put may in inverted commas, be useful when taken long term for IOP readings and with the uh, bioflavonoids, the general bioflavonoids that are in a compound that would incorporate rutin, uh, quercetin, citrus bioflavonoids, they taken in conjunction with it, in my opinion, have helped this couple um, remain stable uh, at a time when their medical management, I'm going back 10 to 14 years, was not holding entirely their intraocular pressure. So for what it's worth, Think about raising with your ophthalmologist two harmless, non-conflicting remedies that if I had glaucoma, I would be taking regardless of the treatment. Oh, that's wonderful then. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Okay, Peter. Thanks for your call, Peter. And Don from Swansea, uh, peripheral neuropathy. Is Hello, Don. Good morning. Have you Just got been diagnosed with uh, peripheral okay. neuropathy, um, 71 years old, yes. and uh, have had really good health uh, all my life, don't yes. take any other medication. Yes. Is there anything that uh, alternate medicine might uh, help me with? Don, are you diabetic? No. 
Okay. Are you on any other medication? No, no other medication at all. So you're not taking any statins or anything like that? No. Okay. No other medication and your peripheral neuropathy just developed like that? Uh, yes, probably over the last 12 months I started to get some numbness and uh, tingling in my left foot yes. and uh, that sort of now developed into my right foot and, and possibly into my, my hands. I'm okay. starting to feel a bit of tingling in the, in the end's extremities. Well, look, it, this is a long shot, Don, yes. but, but it's interesting that today I was going to discuss uh, this herb, this remedy with Jade, and we may do it more fully next week. Right. But I've been doing some reading around um, the use of the oil of evening primrose. Right. Primrose oil is popularly used in natural medicine to address uh, many conditions, and that's why I'll probably take it up with Jane next week, right. inc including things like uh, nostalgia, the condition that many ladies experience uh, during their, their cycle. It's popularly used to address uh, infantile eczema. But interestingly... There's a bit of literature out there now suggesting that it may, and I put may in inverted commas because I don't want to be interpreted as a quack or seen as a quack, but I spend most of my life looking at the way in which natural substances may be able to address some of these chronic conditions that uh, defy modern management in the literature. And I suggest you go to Google and punch in oil of evening primrose stroke neuropathy Right. There is in the literature some indications that it may be useful, particularly in the early stages of neuropathy, for stabilising it, uh, well, at least stabilising it, and perhaps uh, doing a bit more than that. I'm not prepared to go further than that because I'm, I would be labelled a quack if I did. But, oh. if, but if I had peripheral neuropathy, yes. uh, based on what I know about oil of evening primrose, its safety... It's absolute safety, and, and the, the good thing about it is the economy of it. It is such a, 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 an economic preparation to purchase, um, and the worst thing about or the worst thing that could happen is you mightn't get a benefit, but you would get a lot of benefits, in my opinion, in other areas. But I come back to the point that if I had that condition, I would be trying oil of evening primrose in the significant dosages that would come up in the literature. In fact, next week... I'll try to have something a little bit more uh, solid on, on the literature and the dosage particularly that primrose oil is being used in. Thank you very much. That's very helpful. Thank you, Don. Debbie from Mulbring, and you've got something to say about glaucoma, Debbie. Oh, hi, thank you, um, Dennis. Hello, Debbie. Hi. Um, I, I did hear the gentleman earlier yes. who actually has glaucoma I'm not suffering any symptoms Good. because I only just had an eye test this week. Yes. And one of my eyes, they're concerned that it looks like I have am starting yes. to possibly get glaucoma. Um, I just wondered if taking the bilberry and bioflavonoids would help maybe slow the process. I know, like, it, you can't cure sure, it. Sure, sure. Look, but, um, what, what I would say is that... Uh, Based on my uh, prescribing of that combination, if I were in your situation, I'd go onto those substances like they were going out of fashion. Okay, great, great. I was, I was straight to trying to ring you to ask you, and then that gentleman got on. I thought, oh, well, I don't have to worry. See, see the but good... he, he was suffering from I just wanted Correct. to know the fact that Touchwood at this stage, it's, oh, I guess, well, the earlier. Good, the, the good thing about it is that um, these substances are perfectly safe. They're, nu yeah. they're nutritional. They're economical, 
Uh, and in my experience, there's a possibility uh, that they could help. And uh, apart from that, they have multiple benefits in other areas. So you've got everything to gain and nothing to lose. Great. Oh, thank you so much for that. Thank you. Well done and uh, nice to hear. Uh, Julie now has rung in from Beresfield and your question's about depression. Is it Julie? That's right. Um, I've been on and off antidepressants for about 20 years. Yes. And I tend to find that after 18 months, a couple of years, it's just not working anymore and I have to change. And it's, you know, a couple of months process weaning off one and then getting onto another when you really don't function well at all. Yes. Um, and I just, I'm finding it really hard to cope. I'm at the end, you know, I'm at that two-year thing now. Um, I'm having five days out of seven where I really struggle. Um, I just wish there was something you know, longer term sure, or sure. that could help. Okay, look, um, I don't know your condition very well, and obviously with depression yep. it, it needs to be medically monitored and, and controlled. So anything yep. I say uh, can only be uh, used uh, or utilised uh, with your medical managers knowing what you're doing. Uh, but, but if I were in your situation, I would be thinking around the regular, uh, perhaps chronic, ongoing use of two herbs that are the backbone of most of my prescribing for these yes. sorts of conditions, keeping in mind the level of the condition. I will not treat depression if it is considered to be only capable of being managed by a psychiatrist or other professionals. But in your situation where presently you, you seem to be okay but you feel as though you're drifting, uh, I would suggest a combination. Um, where do you live, by the way? I'm near Maitland and okay. Newcastle. Okay. Well, a compounding pharmacist um, or, or a herbalist, uh, a compound based on the following herbs, ideally combined together so that in the right dosage form you would only be taking... Uh, you know, one preparation a couple of times a day. But that, prepar oh, yeah. that preparation should have a remarkable herb from South Asia called Withania somniferum, just botanically known as Withania, W-I-T-H-A-N-I-A. -A. Right. It, it is very, very popularly used as the basis for many conditions used in South Asia that uh, uh -huh. are associated with your condition. I reinforce it in practice uh, with a liquid preparation of Sir John's wort. Right. And I, com I combine it further with a liquid preparation of kava. How do you spell that one? K-A-V-A. -A. Oh, okay. And in the, the final herb in the combination would be a green extract. That is an extract made on the green head of the oat. So the combination would contain four herbs... In equal, yeah. in equal proportions um, and administered, administered in the dosage of four to five mils a couple of times a day. Now, okay. if, if you were a patient of mine, that's something that I would consider. However, in your case, I think what you should do, in as much that you've been obviously under the care of your GP, run that past your GP in order for him to see how you go on it. Right. Okay. So... Thank you. 
Thank you, Julie, for your call. Um, we seem to have lost Tom from Patterson. He had a blood disorder, so if mm. you'd like to ring back, Tom, that would be good. And we did have another caller who hasn't spoken, hasn't stayed to speak on air. Um, she suffers severe peripheral neuropathy, and she found a cream called Blue Healer. Uh, that's produced in Australia has helped her. It contains copper and she finds she doesn't need painkillers. Have you got some thoughts on that, Dennis? Blue healer. I have not heard of the remedy, but I'm intrigued. Uh, I said earlier I spend most of my time looking at the way in which natural substances may be able to address these chronic conditions. The lady mentions that it's a cream called Blue Healer. It's produced in Australia and it contains copper. She says it's helped her immensely and she doesn't need painkillers anymore. Um, I'd have to think through, simply because something contains copper, uh, it's a big jump to, to claim <laughs> any major neurological benefits yeah. from that. It would be interesting to see what other substances may be in it. I'm open to it. I'm not critical of it. If this lady's got help from it, great. I'll look at it a bit more. I hope... Um, that my research comes up and I can explain to listeners a little bit more because if there's anything, I say this over again, if there's anything that can give relief to peripheral neuropathy, I'm all for it. Sounds good. Now, we've been talking about Vitex or mm. the Chase Tree, mm. Dennis, and Louis uh, Lorraine has rung in from Madawi. Hello, Lorraine. Um, you've Hello, got a... how are you? Your comment? Yeah, um, hi. Um, you're talking about um, the Vitex. You're talking about hormones and, like, reproduction, yes. so, you know. Yes, um, And I'm way past the reproductive stage, but... Um, and you're talking about weight and that. Um, would Vitex... Um, I've got a hormone problem. Yes. Uh, um, I had a test years ago, and they said I've got quite a few male hormones. So, yes, OK. Um, would yeah, Vitex yeah. work on, yeah. on that as well? There's a real possibility of benefit here because what you're saying is that you've got a high level of androgens. Now, um, yeah. Vitex uh, has what is referred to as mild anti-androgenic characteristics. And right. as, as such, uh, it is used in conditions like uh, acne, for instance. Uh, a lot of acne conditions yeah. are thought to be associated with high level of androgen. So most herbalists and indeed some integrated medical practitioners these days would address uh, something like uh, acne uh, with the herb Vitex amongst others because of its mild anti-androgenic characteristics. Uh, so if you've, got a, if you've got a high level of androgens that's causing you distress, um, I would be thinking about using Vitex. Uh, I would think, think it would be ideally suited. Again, if you are able to get on the net, uh, just punch in Vitex and, yeah. and, and the word anti-androgenic beside it, and you'll get all the information that should confirm the fact that it might be useful in, in, in I, helping you battle these high level of androgens. Oh, great. Thanks, yeah, because I have, yeah, I've, you know, have a lot of face, um, you know, hair and that. You know, are you polycystic, are you? Yeah, yeah, you know, I thought so. um, yeah, mm. um, you know, the chin and that, yes, yeah, yes, it's yeah. always, yeah. Have you got, have you children? Um, yeah, I did. I've had I had three children. Yeah. I'm, you know, I'm a, a senior now. For, yeah. yeah yes. So you had, yeah, and if you, you had yeah. no you had no trouble falling pregnant. Um, the first one I did, it found out yes. that I ovulated late. Yes. Um, after having tests, yeah. So yeah. that 
some after sort, that, so, sometimes, mm, sometimes, yeah. sometimes Vitex, uh, in conjunction with a herb, saw palmito, uh, which is also anti-androgenic, uh, are sometimes useful in addressing infertility in ladies that, right. ha- that have polycystic ovarian syndrome. Uh, I found yeah. that I found that combination useful, and as you probably appreciate, some ladies, not all, but some ladies, have difficulty uh, falling pregnant with this condition. Vitex and yeah. uh, and saw palmito have helped uh, me help many women over the years. So look, yeah. it's it's in my opinion. I don't know much about your condition, but Vitex uh, has anti-androgenic characteristics, and as such might be useful for you, Lorraine. Oh, a good line for Lorraine to follow. And Anne has rung in now from Mount Hutton. And tinnitus is on your mind or in your ears, should I say, Anne? Yes. Um, I know Dennis has spoken about it before, mm-hmm. but I can't remember where you said there's anything that can okay. help it. How long have you had it for, Anne? Oh, 12 months. Okay. Did it start with a virus or how did it start? No, but I found that I did have a virus in my ear. Okay. Look, um, some of these conditions take a little while to resolve, uh, but what I would be doing if I were you is trying two things. And I can refer to the literature here. Um, uh, one of the most useful herbs that is, is being used in, in modern herbal medicine is the ginkgo. I take ginkgo biloba okay, every now, day, now the, a day. Now, the thing with the ginkgo is make sure you take it in the correct dose. Um, in my opinion... Ginkgo benefits are based on a couple of principles. The length of time that one takes it, ginkgo is not a fast-acting remedy, but also the dosage that one takes. Now, I haven't got the dosage here in front of me, but if you ring my rooms at 39 Alma Road, New Lambton, uh, on 49562321, my staff there will be able to give you the dosage direct from the literature that is related to the potential therapeutic benefits of ginkgo in that area. So you may be on the right track, time factor, dosage might have to be looked at. The other thing is, in the British Herbal Pharmacopoeia, there are a number of herbs that come from, if you like, the English-American tradition of herbalism that have been used to address this condition. One of the herbs is called golden seal. Okay. The other herb is called ground ivy. Right. And the third herb is called black cohosh. I've taken black cohosh before. Yes. Now, what uh, what that would mean is that um, a combination could be prescribed of those herbs in liquid form, dosed correctly, so that uh, using that preparation, maybe even in conjunction with the tinnitus, uh, might see some attenuation of the condition. Um, that preparation could again be procured from a compounding pharmacist to herbal medicine practice. But if I were you, I'd try those three herbs in conjunction with the rightly dosed preparation of the ginkgo. And good luck with that, Anne. And Roz has rung in from Curry Curry, trigeminal neuralgia. That's on your mind, Roz. Yes, it certainly is. Thank you for putting me through. Hello, Dennis. Hello, Roz. How are you doing? Well, I've just been prescribed Lyrica for it, yes. <clears throat> and yes. I, it's yes. only just like a couple of days ago, so yes. I haven't got very far. Um, but is there some is there some herb or something that can assist with the spasm? Okay. I'll um, just I'll just explain explain to the listeners what you have. You have trigeminal neuralgia, which, for the sake of keeping it simple, for the listeners, is a, a very acute 
uh, facial pain associated with the trigeminal nerves. It's excruciating. I treated a lady at Carryong for many years for this condition. She did well. She did well with regular acupuncture. Right, so if, if you ha- yeah, Look, it kept this lady moving. In fact, delightful lady. I also treated her in my um, Gosford practice for many years for the, in the final stages of uh, bladder cancer that she had. I got to know the lady very well. She was associated with the same uh, church group that I was associated with. And, uh, um, yeah, and she did well. I emphasise this. I would basically see her on a Sunday afternoon uh, and give her acupuncture therapy. I was qualified to do it. Um, yeah. I would suggest you discuss with your doctor some, yes. some ongoing uh, treatment based on acupuncture. Now, there's a second thing that you would realise also there is, a, there is a herb which can only be prescribed by a doctor and compounded by a pharmacist because if used incorrectly, it can be a problem. The, and the, prep, the preparation is what's called tincture of gelsemium, G-E-L-S-E-M-I-U-L, gelsemium, tincture... G-E-L-S-E-M-I-U-M. Now, now let me emphasise that it's potentially a dangerous herb. That's why it's not available other than uh, to be supplied by a pharmacist who is permitted to stock it and a doctor that would need to script it. It needs to be taken in specific dosage. When it's taken in specific dosage, it works remarkably well. Thanks for your call. And one quick last one, Joyce from Lemon Tree Passage. Uh, we talked about sage last we week. And well, sage. <laughs> so we got a chance in the last minute. Hello, to... Joyce. Oh, hello. How are you, Dennis? Good, Joyce. Good, good. Um, yes, you were talking about mm. the sage last Well, I yes. managed to get some sage powder. Yes. But there's no, um, no dosage. Okay. To... Look, what I would do if I were you is just a level teaspoonful right. of yes. sage. Yep. Put it in a coffee cup, yep. pour, pour on boiling water, yep. and let it stand until it's warm, yep. and then drink the liquid. Okay, good. That simple way of doing it. Okay, and how, just once a day? Yeah, look, try it once a day. Yep. Um, uh, sometimes using a herb at, like that at low level yep. will, will give a benefit. Um, if you find that uh, you're not getting a benefit, you might have to have it once or twice a day, but if you're using a teaspoonful of the powdered herb, that's a significant dose. You wouldn't want to go higher than that dosage-wise. Sounds good. So that's a follow-up on Sage, and that brings health naturally to an end. Thank you, Dennis Stewart. Done well. And we'll be back next week for our final program of the year for Health Naturally after the midday news on 2NURFM. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.